What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Recorded live. What's good, everybody? Uh, welcome to another episode of the Movement Boxing Podcast, where we bring you the latest and greatest boxing news, uh, all the reviews on the, the recent fights we've had. Um, I'm on with my co-host today, the same panel as usual. We're short a couple. Uh, we may get Bernard on it a little bit. Um, but right now, we got both from our Truth and Facts about boxing. Boxing talk. What up, what up, what up? What up, what up, what up, man? What's going on with you? Not much, man. Another day, another dollar. You know what I'm saying? Doing this uh, boxing talk, talking what we love. Uh, we got TK the guy coming back in a second. He just has a minor uh, technical difficulty, but he'll be on in oh, a don't second. Hold on, I got 2K. I got 2K for you. What up, Sam? What up? <laughs> Here he comes. Alpha male. <laughs> All right, we just got him back on the call. Let me unmute him. Uh, you got him. All right. And we should have Bernard coming on later. Big Cool can join us today, so we can hold it down for our brother from Colossal Boxing Talk today. Uh, let me do welcome to Kay the God in back again from the Gods of Boxing <laughs> Talk. What's going on with you, brother? What's good, man? I had a little bit of technical difficulty, so I'm back on. All right, y'all ready to get this week's show started? Yes, sir. You're All good. right. Um, so we're going to start off with the, the big fight review of the weekend, which was a cruiserweight title fight uh, for the WBC title that was vacated by Tony Bellew. Um, and we had Maurice Breedis going against Marco Huck um, in Germany yesterday. Um, man. I think I might be the only one that had a chance to view this one on our panel this week because it was overseas. Um, I actually wasn't able to catch a uh, catch a replay of it until this morning. I found video of it um, floating around online, so um, it was a hard fight to catch if you didn't watch it streaming, you know, uh, while it was live. Um, we had Breeders. Hold on for a minute. Hold on. Hold on, hold on. Before you get started, did you say the vacated belt by Tony Bellew? Yeah, the WBC uh, Cruiserweight title. Dedicated as in this motherfucker went up? Yeah, the first fight against Dave Bay. So, 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 so are you telling me that Tony Bell, you've been listening to the fans when they said he could fight as a heavyweight and maybe fight Wilder? I mean, is that what we possibly going to see? He trying to cash out, man. You already know what it was. Huh? He, he vacated it prior to the hay fight, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. So that's what the uh, belt mm-hmm. that uh, Breedis and Huck were fighting for yesterday was w- the WBC belt. Well, I'm yeah. going to tell you right now on record, if he goes to fight Deontay Wilder, I ain't saying nothing. I'm going to let 2K have my time. <laughs> <laughs> man. Yeah, I definitely don't see that one going down. Hopefully it doesn't, man, because, uh, yeah, that's – too quick of a, too quick of a knockout right there. 
Um, but he seems like he's going to be testing himself at, at heavyweight. He uh, says he has, like, a good three fights left in him. So, you know what I'm saying? I guess he's going to try and cash out with the heavyweights or, or something else since this hay fight. Um, but getting into this Breedis and Marco Huck fight, man, it was pretty much one-sided. I had it a unanimous decision. Um, I struggled to give Huck any rounds. Um, I say at the most it was two rounds that I could give him. Round eight being the one that was the solid one, and round six was just questionable. You know, like I think actually Breedis did enough to, to win that one um, in the latter part of the round. So I really only gave Huck one round. Man, I've seen a Breedis fight, I think, one other time prior to this, and I wasn't as impressed. Um, this fight, man, he definitely looked like the goods. Um, I don't want to make this excuse that it's a, a aging Marco Huck or whatever, you know, the Huck on the decline that he was fighting, but he was dominant. Um, and he actually looked like he could compete with uh, Alexander Usyk. Not saying he'd win, but he looked like he'd be pretty competitive compared to what we saw uh, in Glowacki. Um, he does a lot of things well, man. Um, one is jab. He uh, misses it up to the top into the body. So that was one of the things I liked about it. Um, he was able to catch Huck either, you know, with the straight right coming off the off the jab or he was able to faint into the straight right. <clears throat> um, so he was pretty consistent with that all night. He has pretty good foot movement, you know, uh, better than I saw in his last previous fight. So that's probably something he may have been working on um, in his last couple of fights. Um, I, I definitely would like to see him in there against Usyk based on what I saw this morning, though, um, in the replay. Uh, he puts his punches together really well. Um, you know, he was able to go to the body of Huck, you know, when Huck was trying to cover up thunderous hooks to the body both with the left and the right hand. So, um, I mean, his, the way he puts his punches together is excellent. So I definitely would like look forward to seeing him against Usyk if that fight happens, um, if it materializes. Um, I was joking around with Bo earlier saying that he's now uh, the number two, <laughs> number two cruiserweight in the division over Cuba Loco. Doritos, you know what I'm saying? Uh, Doritos, I don't understand where y'all get this bias. I have never been biased toward the Cuban fighter ever. <laughs> this month. Oh, shit. You know, I'm not surprised that uh, that uh, uh, Bredis actually got his ass out of there, man. And could be Um, You know, I made a a uh, prediction that nobody can verify. It was an in-home prediction. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so. <laughs> what <are> you, <laughs> you know, one of them motherfuckers, you know what I mean? So, you know, I had said that uh, Bradis could probably win this fight simply because of everything Twine pretty much already went to, and that's the fact that he, he's an excellent boxer. And he's one of those, He's he's not he doesn't have the movement of Alexander Usyk, but he does have pretty good movement for a cruiserweight, in my opinion. Um, I've always thought that of him. So to hear that he actually displayed decent movement in this fight against a guy, Marco Huck, is really gonna try to brawl with you, um, uh, catch you uh, standing mid range to inside distance with him, so he can land his bomb. 
Um, if you're using any type of movement against him and boxing from the outside, then you have some type of advantage there. And I knew that Paredes had that ability. I think he had the reach advantage on Marco Huck, if I'm not mistaken. I can't remember. But um, being able to outbox Marco Huck, the abilities needed to do so were all in uh, Bredis' favor. So I I was actually thinking that he had a good chance of winning this fight. So I'm not surprised that he took it so easily. Well, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm going to take it a step further. I made an in-car while I was driving prediction. That, uh, <laughs> that uh that this would be a good fight. You know, it's it's sad but it's like Marco Huck, man, he's I mean, ever since losing to um what's the guy he lost to when he when he lost the belt after making him tighter than the guy that was it. Seems like after losing to Gawaki, man, it's been kinda hard for him to pick up momentum. So you know, then this was at the time he was uh, he was one of the top cruiserweights we've seen. But ever since losing to Garaki, it's been hard for him to pick up that momentum. So you know it, what? It, you it, know it, what, Bo? I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go a little further than that. I think ever since he moved up to heavyweight and lost to Alexander Povetkin, he's lost momentum yeah. because right after that, you know, he had a draw with Ola Afalabi, and um, yeah. and then after that, he fought him again and fought. Old ass Ferret Arkland twice. You know what I'm saying? So, and then he lost to Milwaukee. So, I would say shit as far as he goes. Yeah, I'd say as far back as 2012, man. Yeah, so it's, I mean, it's just sad because he was a guy, again, that we talk about that was on top. And this this is why we say you got to respect these fighters, man, because one loss and that that one loss is, is it. One loss could put you out of everything. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I guess moving forward, what do you guys see happening with the cruiserweight division? Um, just playing off this fight, two K. Um, I'll probably get to want to get your assessment first. Where did you have mm-hmm. Breedis prior to this fight, as far as, um, you know, compared to Usyk, you know, who we pretty much think is the the guy at cruiserweight right now. Um, how did you have him stacked? Are those odds, or um, as far as ranking compared in cruiserweights? Um, you know, with Dorchico, well, Shumanov, and the rest of those guys that are missed around in that pack. Right. Um, to be honest with you, I had him losing to a guy like Mirak Yassiev, so we won't even talk about where I had him stacked up against Alexander Usyk. Um, and this was, of course, before this fight. And there's not too much material out on Maris Bredis. Uh, um, I was able to see a few streamed events and shit back in the past that he's been in. Um, and, you know, looking at the level of competition that he's fought prior, it's, it's kind of hard to say, uh, given his skill set, that he would have been stacking up to a guy like Alexander Usyk or, you know, a Dennis Labadev or a Glowacki, you know, uh, just looking at that. But after the Marco Huck fight, a guy that um, – um, Fight similar to a Glavaki, uh, very similar to a Dennis Lebedev, probably better actually than Dennis Lebedev in my opinion. Um, I think that he definitely will look, he can look good against the pressure fighters of the cruiserweight division. Now, against the guys that actually move, like uh, Alexander Usyk and even uh, Makabu, Alunga uh, Makabu. I think um, he might have a little bit of trouble there uh, against the movers and, and boxers of the division. 
Um, but I like him. Honestly, if I were him, I would go after IBF champion Murat Gassiev, uh, the Mr. Upright Robotic, you know what I'm saying, fighter of the cruiserweight division. That would be uh, a belt, another belt that he could put under his, uh, under his, um, uh, on his waist. Uh, and I think it's a fight that he could win pretty easily. All right. Um, Bo, you got anything you want to chime in on as far as uh, your thoughts on what's going to happen with the Cruiserweight division uh, following this fight? Man, the Cruiserweight division is hot. Uh, I, I, like I said, the only reason why people don't pay attention to the Cruiserweight division because there's no Americans in it. And there's Americans in it. You know, we don't have a horse in that game. But if you look at mm-hmm. Alexander Utz, if you look at Garcia, if you look at Lebedev, if you look at Shumanov, if you look at, um, like you said, Brady, if you look at Andrew Tabidi, you look at Yuner Dorticos. You look at all these guys, and it's a it's a hot division right now with some very good fights. So, I mean, yeah. it's a division that should be paid more attention to, but unfortunately, it's between light heavyweight and heavyweight, and we have no Americans in the game, so it's gonna go just overlooked. Yeah, um, I'm definitely looking forward to seeing more of Reyes. Um, Like I said, I wasn't as impressed with him in the first time I saw him. This fight, I saw a little bit more out of him. Um, his punch placement, I mean, his alteration with his hooks. Like, I was impressed with, with, a lot, with a lot that I saw in this fight. So, I definitely think he could contend with the upper echelon of fighters, you know, with this being his breakout performance. Um, you know, I guess that was really the only question with him, you know, going against one of the top notch guys and he beat a guy that was a long time champ in the division. So um that would lead us to our, our next topic. Um, we've had a couple of uh, a little bit of back and forth between these two fighters in the in the media recently, uh Mikey Garcia and Vasil Lomachenko. Um and, mm-hmm. and it's looking like it may lead to some possibility that one thirty five with the with the stuff we've been hearing about Lomachenko moving up since uh he can't get us a, a fight. That's that's the quote they're using. Nobody wants to fight him at one thirty. Um, let me get you guys take on it, but first I'll go ahead and uh put out the little news that was out there. Um pretty much Garcia put out there um he didn't think Lomachenko is worth all the praises he's getting right now. Uh, you know, at the early stage of his career. Um, considering he lost to a guy in Orlando Salido that Garcia dominated. Um, and, <laughs> um, pretty much Lomachenko responded on social media saying, um, you know, I can give you attention and we can come into the ring, you know. Um, so oh, yeah. that was basically his response. Um, TK seems like he has a lot to say about this already. Yeah, we <laughs> actually, actually, go ahead, go ahead, TK. <laughs> I don't know what to say. I was just commentating. I was doing what niggas do, you know what I'm saying? But I like, <laughs> I like, uh, I like the fact that Mikey went at him like this because um, just think, Mikey left top rank. He was one of the higher uh, touted prospects on top rank, and then he became one of the highly touted contenders, and then he became one of the best fighters in the fucking in the game under top rank. So there might be a little bit of um, of uh, sour sourness that he's uh, he's pretty much displaying with all the attention that Lomachenko is getting, and and like he said himself, he hasn't really done too much given you know the fact that he just jumped into the sport and he lost to a guy that he's already dominated. So it might be a little bit of sour puss there, you know what I'm saying? But 
I like the fact that he's going at him. And he's like, I'll fight the motherfucker, you know. I like the fact that Vasily Machenko called him out and said, hey, shit, you talking all that shit? Let's do it in the ring, which is the exact same thing that I would do if a motherfucker was talking shit about me. So I, the only problem with this, I don't see Lomachenko going to 135 in his next fight uh, right after Jason Sosa. I don't see it happening. Um, I mean, if he does, cool. If I'm wrong, that's good because maybe we can actually get this fight made. But I don't see it happening. Also, Mikey Garcia has intentions on moving up to 140 and possibly 147 right now um, because he himself feels that he can't get fights with – he won't be able to get fights with the top fighters in the 135-pound division, and rightfully so. I don't think they're going to throw Robert Easter at him. Jorge Linares, they were talking about that fight. Uh, that fight may or may not materialize. If it does, I really believe Jorge Linares gets his ass tossed up, you know what I'm saying, and he probably believes that too. Um, I mean, just the, 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 the performance that he gave against Vladimir Cannon, I could see a lot of 135-pounders moving in a different direction from Mikey Garcia. So, and, and also talking about, you know, possible matchup with Terrence Crawford, you know, after, you know, one of the topics we're talking about later, Terrence Crawford and, and uh, Felix Diaz is over with. So he's got a lot on the table that he can explore um, beyond 135. So there's, there's little anomalies here and there that point – in the direction of this fight probably won't get made. But, but who knows? I like the shit that they're talking. And if they really believe, each one of them really believes that they can beat one another and they can make money off this fight, which I feel they can, they can make a lot of money off this type of fight, then, hey, we might see a mega class soon. Who knows? All right, Bolo, let me pass it along to you. Um, let me get your thoughts on, on the candor between these two uh, highly rated fighters. My thing is, um, like everything 2K said, listen, I like the fact Mike McCarthy is talking shit. I like the fact Lomachenko's talking shit. Here's the reality that people got to understand is how other guys in the sport of boxing was able to become the man or make a move or position themselves, they called out a motherfucker who was being talked about by the general public. If the general mm-hmm. public was talking constantly about Floyd, everybody's calling Floyd. When they was talking about Oscar, everybody was calling for Oscar. They was talking about Leonard. Everybody was calling for Leonard. So for those that have a problem with Mikey is doing, I say fuck you, because that shit is part of the history of pugilism. When you're the hot dude, motherfuckers gonna call you out, which you're supposed to do. That's what Vasilyevchenko did. Okay, motherfucker, you stay right there, and when I'm done here, I'll come that way. That's what I like. But what I don't like, I'm sick and I'm fucking tired of everybody sucking the dick of top rank with this bullshit crying wolf, nobody wants to fight me. I'm sick of hearing that shit. When you make one offer to one motherfucker, like you make an offer to one motherfucker and we don't know what you offered him, we don't know how much he was going to get, we don't know none of this shit, but all of a sudden he turns it down, oh, well, nobody wants to fight him. I'm so tired of hearing that shit coming out of the top rank and everybody seems to be running along with it and it, it, it irks me to no end because it's like, I refuse to believe cats like Kevin Farmer, Orlando Salido, who has been calling you, but your team don't want to pay him, okay? Taki Ashimura, uh, Francisco Vargas, Javier Futuna, uh, 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 Gonz- uh, 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 Gonzalez, uh, Johnny Gonzalez. I refuse to believe these motherfuckers are telling y'all no. So that's the only thing that bugs me is I just get tired of always hearing that nobody wants to fight, nobody wants to fight. I'm like, okay, who did you talk to? What the fuck did you offer? 
Because when you offer another guy with a title a measly hundred hundred thousand or two hundred thousand, he's supposed to tell you go kiss my ass. He's supposed to tell you that shit. Especially if the other dude will make almost a million dollars. Here he has that high ass guarantee, which gets in the way of a lot of fights yeah. being made, a la, you know, Rigo and you know, the first yeah. time with Nicholas Walters, who actually had to accept less cash. Yeah, you know, so, you know, it's definitely something that's like guarantee that's affecting his, that's, uh, the that's bottom my, of and That's my only issue. And that's my only issue. So before motherfuckers who listen to this, Say I'm clown Lomachenko, which you're gonna say anyway. Okay, whatever. If you say it, fine, whatever. But listen to my point. I'm tired of hearing them say nobody wants to fight him when you only offer one motherfucker something and we don't know what you offer him. If you offer him, say we offered him 500k, he said no, okay. But if you tell him you offered another champion 100 or 200k, he's supposed to tell you fuck you when the other motherfucker gonna get almost a million. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry. You're supposed to pay a motherfucker for the risk. I definitely think Lomachenko is what people think he is as far as being, you know, the talent that he is. But I think people don't read between the lines with a lot of stuff that's happened on the other side of the fence. Um, Not just in the ring, opponent-wise, but in in the business dealings. And, you know, like, I kind of had to hold – I can't hold him accountable necessarily. It's a top-ranked thing, an issue with top-ranked. Exactly. I mean, exactly, because he's the talent. I mean, you can definitely see the skill and the talent, and you can definitely see why people are high on him. You know, you can definitely see that. But at one, because like I don't see nobody at 130 beating him, and I know damn well Florida ain't gonna put Dante Davis in with him. He ain't gonna do that shit at all. He already said he already said he was. Yeah. Okay. Well, and, so and you know, a guy like Tevin Farmer is too much of a high risk, low reward kind of a fight for him to take. So right. I mean, that's the only guy I really see at 130. That might give him some problems. This is an interesting fight for him at 135. Even if he, even if he don't fight Garcia, it's some really interesting fights for him at 135. You know. Yeah, just especially with the size of a lot of these guys up there. You know, you got a uh, Lanigan who's tall as hell, Easter tall as hell. So just seeing. Why again? Ain't trying to fight nobody. Huh. Flanagan, Flanagan ain't trying to fight nobody. You know he got Petrol coming up, so you know. Yeah. That might be the end that's that's. But that's my point, though. Peter Petrov is the lower end of the top fighters at 130. You know what I'm saying? He could have fought. He could have fought any of those other top ten ranked pound. Uh, I'm sorry, top ten ranked fighters in his division, and he chose Peter Petrov, who's the very last ranked guy in that division. Um, it doesn't say. And I think he's with Frank Warren. Frank Warren is that type of uh, promoter who's not going to put his fighters out there. Um, in the ring with some of the best in the division if he's an undefeated well, champion. He's not going to do that, fam. Well, 2K, you ain't going to like this. Well, 2K, you're not going to like this for some odd reason. I agree with you. But as of today, Peter Petrov is ranked number two by the WBO. No, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about he is the number 10 ranked 130-pounder by pound, and, oh, and yeah, on the pound-for-pound. Yeah. Pound. That's what I'm talking about. I don't care about I don't care about I don't care about belt rankings because that's completely bullshit. You know what I'm saying? I mean, look at fucking Bermain Stevern right now, WBC belt. I don't I don't care about those. What I care about when I talk about rankings, I look at the best 
fighters in a given division. And that's looking at the Ring Magazine ranking. ranking. BoxRec has their own, but BoxRec are fucking ridiculous. This shit, the dumbest shit I've ever seen in my life. So even though I don't really like Oscar De La Hoya, his ranking system that he has for each division is pretty on point. You know what I'm saying? And they've got Peter Petrov at number 10 in the division. And you've got nine other, you've got eight other guys ranked higher than him that you could have fought. He chooses the number 10 guy. But he's been doing that. Look at his fucking resume. He's fighting a bunch of guys that aren't highly ranked like that. You know, they may be highly ranked for his belt, but they're not highly ranked in the division. You see what I'm saying? So, meanwhile, you know, niggas like Robert Easter Jr. and shit, he's fighting motherfuckers that are high. I mean, Richard Comey was at number five and shit when he fought him. You know what I'm saying? On those rankings. Mikey Garcia fought Vladdy Cannon. That nigga was high. You know what I'm saying? That's what, everybody else is fighting the higher-ranked guys, but Terry Flanning is not. And that's because he's where Frank won. <laughs> I guarantee that's true. Yeah, and I've always said I, I think he was the weak link um, prior to uh, old boy being dispatched by Linares. Um, yep. I always thought Flanagan was pretty much the weak link at 135. So, I yep. mean, Petro, I think it's actually a fight Petrov should be able to win, you know, and that's what him being yep. a lower tier guy at the, you know, at the lower end of the top ten. Um, right. I said, I guess we're going to go on to this next little topic, man. I didn't even want to do this shit. I mean, but I've been kind of dragged into this because of a couple of posts <laughs> over the past couple of weeks by Bo and his partner in crime, Bernard, whose ass ain't even on the show tonight, but wanted to wanted to start some shit. Um, <laughs> I guess we got to do it, man. So, you know, it is going to be short and sweet on my end. I ain't got much to really say because I'm kind of tired of dealing with the shit already being tagged. Yeah, are, any, are, any, are any of you fellas back your phone? <laughs> <laughs> But uh, we're going to go in on this Adonis Stevenson topic. I'm going to let Bo go ahead and get it in because I already know what he pretty much uh, going to do. Oh, here we go. You're going to let me go first. You know his what? Opponents, tell you his opponents, his, black, his black luster opponents, and yada, yada, no. yada, and the opportunity no. for this. Yeah, no, that's not, you know what? That's not, that's not even my issue with Adonis Stevenson. That's just my issue for supporting this. Oh, before y'all start, Twan, before y'all start, Twan, we do got a caller from Florida on the line. If you want to take that uh, first before, because this... Yeah, okay, I'll go ahead. I, I kind of got a feeling this is diesel for some reason, but we'll see who it is. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. What up, though? What's going on, man? How's it going? Oh, cool, man. What's cracking with y'all boy, man? Not What's much, man. Glad you could call in. We got Darnell Diesel Boone on the line, man. Thanks for calling me, brother. Oh, uh, no doubt. You know I rock with y'all boys, heavy man. No doubt. You know you rock with us with them kids in the background always crying, man. What's up? Man? I know, right? They want daddy attention like a motherfucker. Yeah, I gotta get y'all no matter the cost. You know what I mean? <laughs> 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 so what's up, man? Yo, what's going oh, on, Diesel, man? What's going on, anyway, Diesel? Did, oh man, you had, cool. uh, did you have a, you had a fight not too long ago, right, Diesel? Yeah. 
Yeah, man, you want to talk about that a little bit and talk about uh, what you're going to be doing later on, future plans? Oh, for sure, man. Yeah, man, that fight that fight was crazy, man. It, it was one of them days where, like, wasn't nothing coming out, man. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, yeah. I, I ain't even got no excuse for it. It just wasn't my day. Like, yeah. and everything, like, like my coaches and them was saying to do, I seen it open, and, like, he wasn't really doing too much, but, like, the extra stuff that I'm normally used to doing, I, I wasn't doing, you know what I mean? Right, right. So, you know, uh, so I think... What do you, I think do, what do you do to take away from your, your focus, uh, the focus in the ring on that night? I don't know. I, I don't know if it was the layoff. I don't know was I thinking too much. I don't know. All I know is that it wasn't my night. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And every, everything so everything wasn't... Huh? What we got coming up, or you uh, you got the other bout schedule coming up off that one? Uh, you know to keep. Yeah, I'm, um, I'm looking to fight in the same spot um, May fifth. Okay. 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 okay so you know, just just trying to really stay busy, and I think that's what the main thing is staying busy. You, you know, got any uh, possible opponents' uh, names lined up, or is still that's still in the in the talks right now? Well, they 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 looking themselves. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? He said uh, that he he willing to help me get back on track. So um, we'll see we'll see what happens. I know whoever it is, I'm whooping his ass though. <laughs> <laughs> hey, there's a there's a there's a, a misconception about what weight you're at. A lot of people still think you're fighting. At 160, 168. Where you at right now, man? Uh, I'm gonna be fighting at 175 because they okay. just don't nobody really want to fight me at 68. So um, yeah, I'm I'm like I'm like kind of chilling at 175 because one, it, all the money is at 75. You know what I mean? It ain't really no, too many guys that's fighting at 68. That's just some significance. And then the ones that that is there, you know, they people don't want to fight me. So, All right. How do, you feel, how do you feel about the weight at 175? Have you noticed a difference? Uh, any any big difference so far? I don't I don't like it. Um, I actually think it's too big for me. But with with yeah. the uh, with the way how they how the fights come, I gotta kind of like take take what I can get. So I, my my main thing is just stay ready. All right. Um, I know, I know, I know what it is. Uh, you, uh, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Before you, before you go into that, hold on, hold on. I know what it is. I know what it is, Boone, and don't lie to me. This is 2K. You already know I'm going to get at you if I catch you lying, fam. <laughs> you trying yeah. to get at, you trying to get back at Sergey Kovalev and Andre Ward at 175. Am I lying? Am I bullshitting or am I telling the truth? Uh, please believe it. I'm glad you said it because I was going to say it next. Like, you trying to get Andre Ward and Sergey Kovala. Yes, sir. You already know. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I'm, trying to, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to catch him when I'm good. You know what I'm saying? Because when I fought Ward, I was basically in there by myself. You know what I'm saying? My, my corner wasn't telling me what to do. You know what I mean? You took so, that fight on six days' notice, I think. I thought, right? Five. Five. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but I fought, I fought Ward on five days' notice, and the only reason why I fought him because I have been watching him, and I, I'm sitting in the I'm sitting in the house one day, and I watch. I said I told the girl that I was with the top. I'm like, baby, I could I could beat this dude. 
Yeah. No sooner, no sooner than I said that, like probably like three weeks later, four weeks later, the fight came up, and I'm like, yeah, I'll fight him. So, I, <clears throat> so I flew home, and I was working, working up for a minute, but they did, they said they didn't, they didn't call back to see what the fight gonna happen. So I was just training, 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 and um, they waited, they waited till like five days out to say, yeah, they was gonna take the fight. Wow. Crazy. Yeah, he told us that. Yeah, you actually gave us all that information, um, that two-part interview we did with you on my channel before uh, the the Ward-Kovalev fight. You talked about uh, a lot of the different political injustices that that you went through, you know, before that Kovalev fight. We're talking about how, I think you said you knocked Kovalev down like four times, I believe. Yeah, and, um, but three, three legit yeah. could have been four, but you know, right. they say because he bounced off the ropes and then he took a knee that you know what I mean it was a slip, but it was a hook. Yeah, you know what I'm saying came across that melon. So yeah, yeah, that's a good ass interview right there. I'm still waiting on that tape, man. There's still no tape of that fight, for some reason. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm I'm shoot it. I'm gonna shoot it to both to his um to his uh his messenger. As soon as I charge my digital okay. camera up, word up. Okay, cool, cool. Yeah, cause you know, you know, you can't find that motherfucker nowhere on YouTube. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 man. Listen, man. I will listen. I was busting home up. I was manhandling. You know what I'm saying? And see, I was ranked yep. 25 in the WBC then. After I knocked out of Donna Stevenson, and right, I fought, right. I fought him right after. You see what I'm saying? Yep. And even, yep. and even. And even in the fight, you know, he didn't even think he won. Mm. So you, you know, so you know, you know how that is, man. Oh yeah. And so yeah, but there's never a rematch unless it's oh. questionable. Yeah. Um, well, you know what I, I want to say though. I, I just want to say I want to say right quick, man. You know the fact that Daniel can come on here after taking a loss and just come out and just say, "Hey, wasn't my night." You don't hear that from too many motherfuckers, man. Like. You don't hear fans give a lot of these fighters excuses when it's not their night. And I appreciate Donnell for just coming out with being honest with me. Hey, it wasn't my night, shit. For sure, man. man. You know, you know, I'm always going to keep it 1,000, man. No matter when, lose, or draw, man. If it, is, it is what it is. You know what I mean? Just wasn't Word my up. day. Word up. Uh, I don't want to keep it waiting. Uh, <laughs> yeah, man. Just because, this, you know, we haven't had a show in a couple weeks, so I'm kind of dying to get your take on it considering that you – You've done a lot of camp work with Triple G and Abel in the past. Um, what were your thoughts about Triple G's performance in the Daniel Jacobs fight? And, you know, how did you see the fight going? I'm thinking that, I, personally, I thought it was probably like a, a, a underestimation. And they thought he was mm. going to fight one way. And he ended up changing up the program on them. So they had to readjust. Yep. You know what I'm saying? So that that's what I thought. You know, and I, I think Triple G did a, a, a really good job of staying composed and just keep, you know what I'm saying, banging down and doing what doing whatever he, whatever game plan they came up with, he stuck to it. And, you know, I think when he that that twelfth round was the difference. He won that that twelfth round pretty big. But I thought I thought it was close. You know, I thought it was super close. And if he didn't win that 12th round, he'd have lost the fight. Okay. 
Um, do you have any plans of working with doing any work with their camp in the future? I know you're trying to uh, get back, get more active in the yoga career right now. Do you have any intentions of going back to work they, with Angle and Georgia? Well, they mainly had probably like the, uh, the rainy punches in this camp this time. But, you know what I mean? Probably next camp, most likely I'll probably be in there. Okay, okay. All right, Diesel, uh, definitely keep us in tune. I mean, I'm glad you call in and check in with us periodically, man. Definitely keep us in task of what's going on with your career, man, and thanks for the support, bro. Oh, no doubt, bro. All right, thanks for calling in. Yes, sir. All right, Diesel. All right, bro. All right, D. All right, so we're going to get into this little Adonis Stevenson. Uh, I don't even want to say it's a debate. It's just a, a one-way hateration. That's what the hell we're doing. One way, Mary J. Blige, hateration, holleration. Ooh, okay. <laughs> well, you know what, then? Fuck it. I'll take hateration because here's the thing. I'm doing the Adonis Stevens. What I've done to everybody holding the most prestigious belt in boxing, it ain't showing me shit worth them holding it. It's not about his opponents. It's not about his opponents. We can sit up and go through it. But my thing is, if we're going to go and attack Deontay Wilder's level of competition, his opponents, if we're going to do this to Gennady Golovkin, if, we if, we if we even did it to motherfucking uh, 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 Danny Garcia, okay, we, we've even done it to motherfucking... Uh, Kell Brooks, and you have to look at what Donna Stevens has been doing lately. Lately, boxing by what has hey, been lately. Yeah, Bo, Bo, before you finish, I'm sorry, man. I'm sorry. This this shit hurts the fuck out of me. You ready for this? Kell Brooks. I can't stand when niggas put an S. On the end of this nigga's last name. <laughs> <laughs> Bo, Bo, Bo is the main one. Bo is the, Bo is the main one. It's, no, Bo is the only one that does that shit, though, man. I be seeing motherfuckers actually type it up and shit. Bro, no, nigga, Carol, bro. All right, let's go, Bo. Okay, so, Carol, <laughs> I'm going to say how I want to say it, motherfucker. You ain't my daddy. Carol Brooks. Look at him. He fixed it. Oh, fuck that. (laughs) (laughs) If we criticize these guys' resumes, you have to look at what Adonis has done lately, and it has been kind of unimpressive. And my only issue, my only issue, and I haven't really jumped on him like I want to for as long as I want to. My issue is. How do you pay your mandatory episode money to fight a dude ranked number ten? That's the old, I'm like I'm trying I'm searching the fucking Google to find somebody that has done something like that. How do you pay your mandatory step aside money to fight somebody outside of the top ten and that's okay? It should not be okay. We should not be accepting mediocrity from our fucking champions. Especially when they're already most prestigious. You remember when I said I had an easy way to squash this? Well, you you just gave me the fucking ammo. Um, You pretty much answered your own damn question without answering it. Um, Mm. Who has a one-stop shop at 175 in Montreal? I mean, we get on on Bob Arum about this shit all the time, man, the the in-house fighting. Um, Mm Mm-hmm. 
we have a guy in Montreal and John E. Michael, GYM Promotions. He has a one-stop shop. He owns 175 pretty much, and he's coming to the end of that 175 because of the minds of guys like uh, John Pastel and Lucian D. Um, Chalimba's even fought out of uh, Montreal for some time, um, but he's not yeah. out there anymore. But, you know, but that's how deep he had it. You know, he 175 was on lock. Until Pascal fell off, you fell off, and, you know, he, he's got more chances than any goddamn body. Uh, speaking of, though, Alvarez, why isn't the blame put on him? He's been mandatory for over a year. He's the one that accepted another fight with Lucien Gu, that accepted a fight to become uh, mandatory again against Lucien Gu. I mean, it's obvious what's going on here. It's not all Adonis. I, I'll definitely give uh, some blame to him. You know what I'm saying? But I got to call it like we do with Bob Durham. It's in-house <laughs> shit. You know what I'm saying? As simple as that, man. Like, there ain't nothing big about it. I mean, uh, I don't know why you guys tagged me in this shit about uh, the post the other day. I mean, at least the motherfuckers looking to fight. I mean, shit. You guys are mad because uh, a cable network won't pick up the fight now? What the fuck? No, we're mad you know? because you pay the <laughs> mandatory step aside money. That's what, dude, see, you're missing the whole thing. I don't no, he it. did. Oh, John he D. Had, Michael did. He, you got to shouldn't be okay as a fighter. He shouldn't be okay with that, though. That's what I'm saying, Tuan. Okay, he he that, that, that's that. been the history of Boston. We've always had promoters doing this kind of thing and being in control of stuff, of situations. So, like, I no, see what no, it is. No, I don't think it's no. a situation where Stevenson won't fight Alvarez. There's definitely nothing like that. This is a guy trying to hold you on. He don't seem to be tripping about it. You that do it. He don't seem to yeah. be saying, hey, wait a minute. Oh, whoa, whoa. This is the motherfucker I want to fight right here. He don't seem to be doing it. That's what I'm saying. Same thing Same thing with Deontay Wilder. And I, and I said the same thing about Deontay Wilder. You, the, the fighter got to show that, hey, listen, these ain't my moves, but I'm not cool with that. And the motherfuckers don't be, and they, and they, and they seem to be cool with shit like that. And that what bothers me. That's so, all yeah, I could I could definitely feel you on that, but I'm just like you got to look at you know this is a promoter doing his thing right here, and he's coming down to the last of the line. I mean, with Alvarez, he's really going to lose control of everything um, as far as uh, Adonis's opponents. You know, once that shit is done, so I think he's really just been milking that stable of 175 for all he can. I mean, that's just mm-hmm. my life looking at the whole situation. Two K. Well, actually, I'm going to ask you, um, since you want to holler out about me being a Caribbean bum supporter, and uh, <laughs> what's up with Sullivan Barrera fighting the 8 and 1 motherfucker? Yeah, sure. <laughs> Hold on, wait a minute, stop. I'm glad <laughs> you were <laughs> motherfucker. Because I got you uh, right now with this right here, right? What have you said when it came to Oscar De La Hoya, right? And, and, Triple G, you say I can throw out a number, but the other side don't say something, right? This is what you always say. Well, yeah. Barrera didn't try to fight Better Be. Better Be even said one thing, Barrera them shot back. Better Be even said something else, Barrera them shot back. So they shooting back and forth. So the only option you got at this time, I ain't cool with this. He fighting the motherfucker eight and one, just like Luis Ortiz fighting the motherfucker that was what nine and two or some shit like that. I, 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 I'm, I'm not cool with this. It's a step back coming off a big win against Jabransky. 
that is not a WBC champion, though, either, though, is he? Nope. Thank you. And you know what? To add on to that, to add on to that, at least Sullivan Beretta. Now, I get your point, Quan, and I was, I was going to say I agree with what you said about, um, you know, the promoter out there in Montreal trying to milk his stable. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I agree with that. I agree with that. But, but I also agree with Bo, and this has always been my biggest take on these fighters, fam. You have to call for the bigger fights if you want the respect. We got a motherfucker that moved up from 168 and fought the dude that you were supposed to fight for the last three years. The nigga came off an injury and moved up and waited and fought the dude you were supposed to fight in the last, actually, I'm sorry, four years, since 2012. Not actually five years, shit. You know what I'm saying? So, and then in the same division, the motherfucker you were supposed to fight in the last five years took on the dude that you were supposed to fight that he beat. And that was Bernard Hawkins. You were supposed to fight Bernard. You didn't want it. So the dude you're supposed to fight, and Sergey Kovalev came in and said, well, I'll fucking fight him, and I'll take the accolades for beating a goddamn Hall of Famer. And he did. So Adonis Stevenson has not been calling for the fights in order to make him a great at 175 and a remembered legend at 175. That's the problem I have with him. Now, going into the Sullivan Barretta situation, at least Sullivan Barretta is actually trying to fight niggas. <laughs> that matter. You know what I'm saying? He fought Andre Ward. He's trying to fight Arthur Vitabiev. He fought Vyacheslav Shabransky. Those three guys haven't even been on fucking, uh, what's his name's radar? Adonis Stevenson. And they've been in the same division besides Andre Ward. But Shabransky uh, and Vitabiev, they've been in the same division longer, just as long or longer than Adonis Stevenson. And they're not even on his radar. But Solomon Badev is trying to fight these guys. You see what I'm saying? He couldn't get the fight with Bitterbev, so now he's forced to fight an 8-1 motherfucker. Adonis Stevenson is fighting whack niggas like Tommy Carpency just off his own merit <laughs> without calling for fights. Yes, sir, it's mandatory, but you can always pay a mandatory, a mandatory step-aside money if you're going to substitute him for a huge money fight, like with Sergey Kovalev or with somebody else of, of fucking name recognition in the division that we actually respect. You know what I'm saying? That's what he's not doing. He's just taking these fights because they know he knows they're going to be easy opponents and he's going to still remain champion. That's all Adonis cares about. He is hoarding the shit out of the WBC belt, as I said before, because it was a dream come true for him. He was actually a tune-up for Chad Dawson. He was supposed to be the guy that Chad Dawson was just going to beat the shit out of and immediately put himself back in the heavy, uh, light heavyweight contention after getting knocked out by Andre Ward. When he didn't do that, and he actually did the complete opposite, he knocked him the fuck out in the first round, that was a dream come true for him, dog. So he's not trying to lose that fan. That's why he has no problem fighting these bum-ass niggas nobody fucking knows. That's why he's not calling for the higher-level competition where we look at the fight on paper and be like, damn, nigga could actually lose this fight. You know what I'm saying? Alita Alvarez is a guy that I think he can beat, but at the same time, it's like, well, he, he could possibly lose, and I'm pretty sure he knows that. That's why he's not calling for it. That's why he's okay with this Right. I'm saying I think he loses. Uh, I think Alita Alvarez loses to him. Yeah, but my thing I, is, mean, I don't but, think he had the, the one fight I feel like Adonis ever really had fear of taking was Kovalev. You know what I'm saying? 
that I've already thought on that one. As far as anybody else, I don't think it's been a matter of him, you know what I'm saying, that not wanting to fight him or anything like that. It's just I think it is. Uh, I think it is. I think it is when you compare Alita Alvarez to who he may be fighting. Like, look at Joe Smith Jr. That fight should have took place. Joe Smith Jr., yes, he's had two miracle wins, but still he's very technically flawed. You see what I'm saying? Uh, we, but why didn't the fight happen? I mean, and this is something that I thought Buck was going to mention, and I was going to tear into his ass if he did. But, um, <laughs> I mean, this motherfucker was trying to call for A-side shots. I mean, I didn't think there was any merit to that shit. I mean, Buck right. thinks it is because of B-Hop, and that wasn't mother. He beat B-Flop. He didn't beat B-Hop. You know what I'm saying? Let's get that shit motherfucking clear. I mean, he didn't beat B-Hop. He beat B-Flop. But fam, yeah. he wasn't supposed. But fam, he, he he wasn't supposed to be B Hop. All of us, except Bernard, said that B Hop was gonna win. And Bernard said that shit because that nigga like because that nigga like go for the goddamn the underdog in his casual moments, and the nigga actually ended up getting it right. Fam, <laughs> so <laughs> he was he was he wasn't supposed to beat B-Hop, fam, but he did. So he's got to have some – I'm not saying he should get eight sides. He's not a champion. He's not bringing anything to the table as far as belts and accolades. Yeah, so this besides, is something that Bo was saying that there was actually some merit to that shit before. And I was like, hell, motherfucking no. Not for no nah. WBC silver belt and for beating B-Flop. I mean, I, I'm well, not I think, he, I think he has leverage. I mean, I, like I said, I don't know what – he was offered. I don't know what they said to him. I don't know any of the negotiation uh, inside inside information. But all I do know is he does have some type of uh, negotiation tool going in there and saying, "Hey, I beat a motherfucker that you didn't even want to fight," and and he was the underdog in that fight. The odds had him the underdog. All the boxing enthusiasts had him losing that fight. So it doesn't matter if it's and it's funny you said B flop because that's just true. But it doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Because we thought B-Flop was going to beat this nigga, and he didn't. So he deserves to have some type of leverage in negotiation by saying, hey, I beat an all-time great that everyone thought I was going to lose to. And he's also an all-time great that you dust. So I need to have some type of leverage in this negotiation process. You see what I'm saying? So, yeah, either way, I just can't, either, I just couldn't give him any side. You know what I'm saying? I offer that. No doubt. That, that, that I agree just, with that. that I mean, and that, that's pretty much the point that I've seen that ended the, the talks because the Donis wanted to fight him. You know what I'm saying? So it, that was pretty much what it came down to the whole A side, B side shit, as usual with a lot of these fights. I mean, right. So, I mean, we'll, we'll right. keep our eyes open on what happens. Uh, it's looking like he's going to be fighting Sean Monaghan, but they can't find a net. That dude is whack. But this is the same fight that Joe Smith with Jr. was trying to get to, and it was okay. But, 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 I understand that, but Joe Smith Jr. is at that level, though, fam. Yes, but li- and listen to what I'm saying. Yes, Joe Smith Jr. got two miracle wins. But if you look at his skill set as a whole, he's at the Sean Monaghan level. You see what I'm saying? Adonis Stevenson is not. <laughs> Adonis Stevenson is much higher than the Sean Monaghan level, fam. And he's, yeah. he's, he's been a champion for, like, what, how many fucking years? Like, four years? He's been a champion for a while now. You can't be playing Sean Monaghan. 
Yeah, okay, so you, you can't be fighting Sean Monaghan. Sean Monaghan is trash. Dude is older than me. And he started his career older than me. Get the fuck out of here, man. Get the fuck out of here. And that's, this is the same one. And that's, and that's my issue, this Sean. Is, you, pay, you pay a man to step aside to fight Sean Monaghan. This is the same bomb they tried to say Andre Ward was done. They tried to say Andre Ward ducked Sean Monaghan and Viacislav uh, Shabransky. Now, enthusiast laughs like a motherfucker. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm looking at YouTube videos from respectable cats out there, and they're just laughing at niggas. I mean, they're not even breaking down why he didn't duck these guys. It's, it's it's not even worth breaking down, fam. It's like it's it's fucking hilarious, right? But then look who's trying to fight. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? It's not even worth your time. Why are you even in negotiations with this? Give this nigga five dollars, and y'all can get in the ring. You don't even need to negotiate that fight. This dude is garbage. Like get the fuck out of here, man. I, I do not. He should be fighting a leader over it. One hundred percent. There's no way. Like I said, we got we got we got to give culpability everywhere to where it's due. And like I said, I don't think it's all on the diners with this shit with Alvarez. Um, I think a lot of being promote being promoter based. Um, cause you got to well, you know Alvarez was the one that took the second man, uh, the second uh, what the hell do they call that shit, eliminator. Yeah, that he didn't have to. So I mean, so who's really? Take but, but, I mean, you know, like what is really behind all this? I don't think I tell you what. I don't think that, that he's, uh, you know, like we say, out people are saying now, Heyman killed boxing. He's not that fucking powerful. I mean, uh, Donna Stevenson ain't that fucking powerful. I mean, this is one fighter here compared to a guy that holds a whole stable of one seventy five fighters. That but he has, but he has the most prestigious. He has the most prestigious belt in boxing. You cannot be nothing unless you got that green belt, fam. You could be the WBO, WBA, and IBF champion, but the most recognized motherfucker is the one with that WBC belt and the lineal champion. Those are the two most recognized belts. You see what I'm saying? The lineal being the ring magazine belt. So if you don't have those, if you don't have that green belt or the ring, you ain't you ain't not really <laughs> go ahead, bro. He got stripped for that ring. I thought back in twenty back back in 2015 in November. No, I'm not, I'm not. I'm not saying he has that belt. I'm just saying the, the green belt and the lineal ring magazine belt are the two most be taken from somebody without it being lost in actual fight too. That was something that I thought was funny, but you know. Um, no, you know what? I agree with it. Fuck that. And you are not keeping no goddamn lineal ring magazine belt, and you continuously don't fight none of the top ten right fighters in your division. Absolutely not. You're not keeping it. This, they, they stripped this nigga when he fought Dmitry Sikorsky. I mean, listen to the listen to the beginning of his first of his last name. So that's the beginning of his first of his last name. That's the same right there. You should not be in the ring with him. <laughs> Dmitry Sikorsky. WBC number ten to number ten ranked. It doesn't matter, fam. No, we're talking about the lineal belt. He was not ranked in the top ten. And he was not ranked. He was not ranked in the top ten in at the 175 five pound division. Neither was Tommy Carpenter. Neither was Sergio Pica. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right, check this out. Hold on, wait, wait, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Check this out now, because you brought up Sir uh, uh, Sullivan Barreto. Last three opponents: Moret, Andre Ward, Sabransky, 
has a win-loss record percentage of 72-2. and two. Bika, Karpansky, and Williams, 77-11. and 11. You can't justify that, dog. I'm sorry. You can't justify well, it's not. You're right. You're absolutely right about that. But I'm, you're absolutely right about that, Bo, and that's a good point. But I, what I'm just trying to say is, you know, I agree with them stripping him the lineal belt because you cannot fight guys who are not ranked in the top ten of the division. I understand they're ranked top ten in the WBC. Who gives a fuck about that when we're talking about the lineal belt? You have to fight the best in the division to still be seen as the best fighter in the division. You see what I'm saying now? Morally, I think he's still Ring the lineal champion. I think Ring TV's got to fight. Morally, he's still the lineal champion. Morally, he's still the lineal champion. But Ring was like, fuck that. You're not upholding our belt the way that we want you to upheld them. You're not, you, you're not upholding the standards or adhering to the standards that we want our champions to adhere to. You're not fighting the best. You're fighting the second-level fighters and saying that they're credible title defenses. We're going to take that belt from you. And that's what they did. I wholeheartedly agree with it 100%. Go ahead, Bo. No, I was going to say, uh, the ring uh, stipulation is you got to fight somebody in the top, top five in a two-year time frame. Okay, that's even better. That's even better then. You know, I, I would be mad if he fought if he fought three, you know, I just named Sekio Bika, uh, Tommy Carpenter, and fucking Dmitry Sikovsky. Let's say those three were just ranked eight in, 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 uh, by Ring TV and, and Ring TV stripped them, I would be mad. But they weren't even ranked eight. They weren't even ranked nine. They weren't even ranked ten. Shit, Sekio Bika came up from 168 and lost his last fight. <laughs> And went to 175, and it was a credible title defense. Like, come on, man. No, take that shit from him. They I should mean, have taken the damn guy that fights outside of Andre Ward and Sergei Kovalev, I think everybody's going to have problems with. I mean, that's just me. I don't think he'd get credit for any. I don't think so. They I want him to fight a leader of I don't have a problem with the leader of all. We're talking to you, TK. You're one of the boxing cures here, baby. I wouldn't know what he was else. I know a lot of people would be talking shit about okay, Clever. I, I, I guarantee you, I know how these groups work. Cleverly, he would get bashed for that goddamn fight. I just know how these groups work, man. I mean, anybody outside of fucking pretty much Kovalev, Bitterbeef, or Ward, the dinosaurs get bashed for, fight, for fighting by the, most, by the majority of the casuals. I mean, and that's pretty much what dictates a lot of the, the news and shit we see in these groups uh, as far as opinions. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's just how I see it. I don't think he'd get credit for most of the guys in the top ten that are ranked by Ring TV right now. Um well, well you gotta you gotta look at how your credibility is damaged when you're talking about the most the the uh, major part of the fan base of boxing. I mean when you let the casual see you duck one fighter six, seven fucking times, of course I'm exaggerating. But I'm just saying, when you see you let casual see you do that, well then your credibility is damaged unless you fight that fighter. 
So that's, you're right. In that aspect, the Cowboys will be like, hey, I don't give a fuck who you fight. If it's not Sergey Kovalev, I don't want to see it. And the reason for that is because he openly dropped this motherfucker multiple times. That's his fault again. He can't do that. It was clear after the Tony Bellew fight, that fight was getting made. Bro, I wasn't even telling niggas. I didn't know any of y'all guys at that time. But I was telling niggas, yo, Donald Steven and Sergey Kovalev, there's nothing stopping it. Uh, there's no reason why this fight shouldn't get made now. Adonis Stevenson clearly called him out after his last, I mean, uh, Sergey Kovalev clearly called out Adonis Stevenson after his last two fights. Adonis Stevenson would always dodge the question after his fight. The Tony Bellew fight was the last guy that he could actually fight that's actually credible. I was like, this fight's getting made. Next thing I know, he's just fucking found out I'm hanging in left HBO. Come on. You can't do that when the casuals are knowing this. They're looking at you. <laughs> now, it was a great move for him. It was. But you have to, if you want to be great, if it's not all about money and it's not all about fame, if you're trying to debunk my argument with Adonis Stevenson where the only thing about money and fame with him, then why wouldn't you call for the Sergey Kovalev fight before you make the move to Al Hammond? Or if you do make the move to Al Hammond and say, hey, you know, I'll, sign with, I'll let you be my manager, but this fight has to be made. What can you do to get this fight made? He didn't do that, man. He just straight dust him. <laughs> and that's why the Cavaliers don't want to see him against anybody else. That's his own doing, man. Yeah. Okay. So, but you do agree with my point that he wouldn't get credit for most of the ring top 10 at, uh, at 175, right? Like, did they do? Uh, yeah. Okay. So from the Cavaliers standpoint, okay. absolutely. I agree. I agree. And I have to agree with that too. Boston oh, yeah. Even for even from a Boston Pure standpoint, you look at the top top fucking ten, and you'll be like, "Nah, fuck this." <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'm no, looking no, at no, you, no. I'm like, "Now Boston, now Boston Pure, no, I disagree. Casual, I agree. Boston Pure, I'm a leader. Alvarez isn't even a top ten, uh, 175 pounder. He's top ten in the WBC, and I want to see that fight. So no, from Boston Pure standpoint, no, I highly disagree. I think he should fight a lot of the top ten fighters that are ranked by Ring TV at 175. He actually should be fighting those guys. That's what the fuck we expect him to do as the WBC champion and the morally lineal champion. But he's not doing it. All right, so that's going to lead us into um, our next topic. We got a fight finally announced, our announcement and venue for it. Um, we thought Terrence Crawford's next fight was going to be in uh, Newark in the Prudential Center. It's been moved to NYC, and he'll be facing uh, the often-ducked Felix Diaz, a man, um, for his, what? what is he, WBC and WBO? Uh, yes, sir. Yeah, WBC and WBO. Uh, junior welterweight title, titles, um, man. Uh, actually a good fight, man. Actually excited hmm. for this one. Um, Diaz has been looking for a shot against a big name and for a title. He's finally gotten it. Um, let me get you guys' hmm. thoughts. Did he, did he bite off more than he can chew? Is he going to get what he asked for? Like Terrence Crawford said in his uh, in his win, I forgot who he was fighting, but he's like, you get what you came for? <laughs> that was saying, London. That oh, was, yeah. Uh, that was London. Okay. Yeah. Okay. No, my bad. That was that other dude. What was his name? Theory. 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 Oh, okay. Oh, Jerry John. Jerry John. Jerry John. Yeah, Jerry John. That's it. Yeah, he looked out his dog. 
and said they was talking shit. Did you get what you was looking for? <laughs> I remember that. Yeah, I remember that. All right, so what do you guys think as far as the feelers is feelers going to have that same issue come May 20th or what? Um, I'll let you guys take this one, and I'll sit back and play my little my little role as moderator here. Um, what's your thoughts on this fight, show? Go ahead, bro. Uh, I like the fight. I I actually uh, I can I consider Felix Diaz, and I've always said this. Felix Diaz is probably a younger, more aggressive version of uh, of uh, Gamboa. Uh, he has a lot of dog in him. He's gonna come to fight. He should be undefeated because I thought he'd be Peterson. The problem yeah. is, I think that Terrence see, Terrence Crawford has turned the fucking corner. We uh, and mm. I, I think because of the fact that Diaz is sort of similar to Yorkis um, Gamboa, which was Terrence Crawford's toughest fight, and he's he like I said he got that dog in him and he's also athletic. I think he can cause Terrence Crawford some problems, but I think Terrence mm-hmm. Crawford would be able to fit to figure him out. I don't see this. I I don't see him knocking him out. I see Terrence Crawford maybe even winning the split decision, but it's a fight that I like because my. One of my biggest issues too is with Felix fighting at 140. Because he's more, he's really more of a 147 type of dude. So I don't know. I wonder how his body will handle fighting at, at that 140. Because I think he fought Lamont Peterson even at 147. At 143. Like that. yeah, okay, 143. Right. So yeah, I, I think his strongest weight for him is 147. But I like the fact that Felix Diaz wants this fight. I like the fact he ain't scared to take this fight. And Terrence Crawford better take it seriously. One of my issues with Terrence is there's been a lot going on outside the ring with him that could affect him mentally as far as preparing himself for what's going on inside the ring. I disagree. Go ahead, Go ahead. Okay. All right. Okay, that's cool. But at the same time, <laughs> I, I think Terrence Crawford understands what he got in front of him. Like, yeah. I, I think Terrence Crawford knows what he got in front of him. And, you know, like I said, this this is a good fight. And if Terrence Crawford actually wins this fight, and I mean, even if he grinds it out, and, and let's say he has another, uh, another Victor Postal performance, or he grinds it out, man, you gotta you gotta put this boy high on the pound for pound list after something like that, because Felix Diaz is is is, is nobody's walkover. Yeah, yeah. The only thing I disagree with, and I, I is <laughs> just uh, it's not necessarily disagreeing with your point because it's a valid point. Um. I'm going to go ahead and go ahead on the limb and say it's not going to distract him mentally because Terrence Crawford has shown us time and time again that mentally uh, his, his ring IQ, his IQ for the sport, is amongst the upper echelon of the sport, meaning those guys with that kind of IQ, the Andre Wards, the Guillermo Rigondeaux, the retired Floyd Mayweather, um, those guys with that kind of IQ, you got to – Mentally, don't, you got to go into their head physically and drill some brain pieces out they don't for them to be mentally fucked up. You know what I'm saying? Like, no matter if they take layoffs, if they're doing this outside the ring, if they're doing that outside the ring, if they're still actively training and they're still actively in the sport, their mental uh, uh, capacity, their mental makeup is not going to be flawed. It's not going to be damaged. It's not going to be degraded. So... This is a man who's actively in the sport, regardless of the fact that he's had those legal issues outside the ring. So, therefore, I don't expect him to be mentally flawed inside the ring. With that being said, though, Terrence Crawford, um, there are some things that 
Felix Diaz can exploit. For example, when he decides to uh, become sort of an, um, I don't want to say a brawler. That's not what I want to say. When, he, when he's actually bringing the fight to his opponent, he can be touched. Um, if he's boxing, using a lot of movement in the ring, that's where he's actually more flawless defensively. Um, but when he's, he's bringing the fight, he's being an inside type of fighter, he can be touched. Um, and that's the type of fight that I think he's going to have to fight Felix Diaz with because Diaz can move his motherfucking ass off. And yeah, he's a excellent boxer. Right. Right. Exactly. He's an excellent boxer from the outside. So that's what Lamont Peterson had trouble with. He had to take the fight to Diaz, and it left him more vulnerable to getting hit, to getting punched, to being outside. Exactly. So that's the problem that I see here with Terrence Crawford, but the difference between Terrence Crawford and Lamont Peterson, again, is that motherfucking IQ. Terrence Crawford is about ten times smarter than Lamont Peterson. Therefore, where Lamont Peterson is going to pretty much keep doing the same shit, getting tagged up and shit, using the same game plan, he may make a minor adjustment. Terrence Crawford is going to make extreme adjustments if plan A is not working for him. You see what I'm saying? And in that aspect, it's going to make Felix Diaz have to make adjustments if he can. Mind you, people, we've seen him take on some good fighters, Lamont Peterson, Sammy Vasquez, but, again, he never really had to make adjustments. We haven't seen Felix Diaz be in the ring and be like, damn, that nigga got to make an adjustment. What can he do? Terrence Crawford is going to be the guy to show whether or not Felix Diaz has the ability to make adjustments. Make adjustments. So this is a motherfucking intriguing-ass fight, fam. I can't wait to see it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> if Felix Diaz beats Terrence Crawford, instantly. And I know my buddy's going to be like, what? No, hell no. Instantly. Instantly in the top ten, pound for pound, fam. Because this is a guy. Oh, I agree with that. I, I know. I, I, I wasn't talking about y'all. I know y'all's, I know y'all's uh, capacity for boxing. A lot of other motherfuckers, though, they're going to be like, oh, hell no, hell no. But you got to understand how good Terrence Carr I means. We're talking about a guy that a lot of people have at number one pound for pound right now over Andre Ward. That's how good this guy is. If Felix Diaz goes in there, a guy coming pretty much out of nowhere, right? I mean, he beat Sammy Vasquez, but he lost to Lamont Peterson. He's coming pretty much out of nowhere, right? He doesn't really have a stable division. Nigga goes from 147 to 140, back to 147. In between there at 143, he doesn't have a stable division. And he beats one of the best pound-for-pound fighters in the sport. Instantly top 10, fam. Instantly. And people fail to realize Diaz has a, a pretty strong boxing pedigree himself, being that, you know, he was an Olympic gold medalist from the, uh, the Olympic, uh, Dominican Republic, uh, which would be mm-hmm. my second home probably in the future, but that, that's for other purposes. I'm glad you said that because this, and I say this to people all the time, put this, in, and put this in this perspective. Think of, how hard and how good Felix Diaz has to be. He won a gold medal out of the Dominican Republic. At that division, too. You know what I'm saying? Good point. Good point. Think about that. Dominican Republic is never known for boxing, known for what? Baseball. So how good a motherfucker got to be to come out of a spot where you know competition probably ain't that stiff 
and win a fucking gold medal. Nigga, before Felix Diaz, they best boxer was fucking Argenis Mendez, who got knocked the fuck out by Robert Easter Jr. You know what I'm saying? So, <laughs> so you're fucking right. You're right about it. I think the best thing that came out of Dominican Republic is fucking Gerard Ryder, that rapper. You know what I'm saying? Ain't no yeah, yeah. I'm out of the DR. <laughs> I like this fight for Crawford. I mean, for him to take this fight when well, nobody else has wanted to give Diaz a, a shot like this between 140 and 147, it definitely speaks to Terrence Crawford's uh, merit. And, I mean, this is what he wants. Well, right? hold on now. Remember, remember HBO Remember HBO said that 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 uh, that, uh, that bullshit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. HBO said that Tavon wasn't a qualified opponent, remember? Oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> but, you know, um, I, and I kind of wanted, wanted to catch you on uh, TK's point about Diaz not necessarily facing any adversity. He did fight Adrian Grenados, and that was probably his toughest fight. Um, but Grenados gives everybody a fucking hard time in the ring. That's just his his way. Um but I actually think uh, I see Terrence Crawford being uh, going out to be on the offensive and be more of a, a stalker and prey. You know the, the way he he's walked down guys like Lundy and you know uh, Thomas. Has to. I, I think that's going to what we're going to end up seeing from him in this fight. Um, yep. And we'll see if Diaz will be able to outslick him and catch him off guard, like uh, TK was saying. Um, I'm definitely intrigued by this matchup, and I'm, this one I'm excited for. So, big up on Terrence Crawford for accepting this fight. Um, yep. Very dangerous opponent, man. DS should not be slept on. I mean, this dude could, this dude could fight. You know what I'm saying? Um, yep. I'm already going on record saying I think he wins it, but, you know, I'm always with underdogs, too. So, <laughs> that's what it is. Man, you, got you, know, Diaz, you got Diaz, you got Diaz winning? Yeah, yeah, I think he's going to eat out of the season. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. Okay. I, I, I can't wait for I, 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 I see, I see being uh, some sweepy type. We're going to see some sweepy type skills from, from Diaz in this fight. Okay. Um, All right. All right. Um, going into our next topic, man, um, it looks like Gary Russell's fight with Oscar Eskandone for his uh, WBC featherweight title has finally found a new date. Um, it's looking like they're going to do a split venue double, double header with the the Kel Brook versus uh, Errol Spence fight on Showtime on May 27th. Um, that's actually a good look. I like the split venue, and there's two fights I'm actually looking for. Well, two fighters I like. So I'm happy about it, you know, considering what they had going before. Um, let me get you guys' thoughts on this uh, double date they got going with Showtime. Uh, I'll start off with TK. It's a, good, it's, a good, it's a good thing. Um, I like the actual fight with uh, Russell and uh, uh, Camden. I think a lot of people, um, let me put it this way, I, th- I think a lot of people are going to look over this fight because Oscar Camden is not somebody, he's not one of the bigger uh, guys at featherweight. Um, he's already got two L's. I think one of them was to uh, get him a Riggendow's next opponent, which is more than Slaughter's. And he lost something by, like, split decision or something like that, right? Yeah. That was a close – it was one of the close decision losses. But um, so a lot of cats are not going to not gonna really know 
sports candidate is, but if you know Gary Russell, um, <laughs> the problem with Gary Russell is that he he gets complacent. You know what I'm saying? He gets complacent with the skill set, and I think that's the whole reason why he lost to Lomachenko the way he did. Now, that fight was only a majority decision loss, but everybody knows he lost by unanimous. You know what I'm saying? It should have been, it should have been unanimous. Um, and when I say he gets complacent with his skills, I mean, he's got a team of motherfuckers behind him that are like, bro, you're fast as fuck. Niggas can't fuck with your combinations. You know what I'm saying? Look at your footwork, dog. Look, dog. You know, he got cats in his camp that actively give him blowjobs, you know, every second of the day. So with that said, when he gets in the ring, you know, he's already filling himself. And I think he can actually fill this way against as candid. Now, he has turned over a new leaf after beating up Johnny Gonzalez and taking the belt. But at the same time, he's shown recently that he's boxing is like second priority to him. I think yeah. he's been working on his he's been working on his brother's game more than he's actually been working on himself. I so agree. I think he is uh, more into being a training than he is fighting right now too. I agree with that. Exactly. Exactly. So with that said, you know that and Gary Russell is not like a Terrence Crawford, a Floyd Mayweather, Andre Ward to get him a ring down. He doesn't have that IQ to where this motherfucker could take a break from doing the physical parts of boxing, come back and still be sharp. No, he's not that type of dude. He's actually not that smart in my opinion. He's just very athletic. Um, so with that said, if he's not in tip top shape for an Oscar as candy, man, we could see some we could see that belt change in hand. But I like the uh the double date. Um, it just adds to more positive for the sport, man, and, and that's gonna be something that I can't wait to I can't wait to see. Bo, let me get your thoughts, man. Well, really, not that much you can even add on to what 2K said. 2K said uh, the only thing I disagree with when he said uh, about Russell being not being very smart. The biggest problem with Gary Russell, and they're not giving Gary Russell a blowjob. They passed that a long time ago. They. They much worse. They don't have an asshole. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> but uh, but uh, the biggest problem with Gary Russell is Gary Russell relies. He's one of those fighters that relies on on advice from his corner. Like right. just, just like he said, like take the Lomachenko fight. At no point did he try to implement something different himself. He's going off what the corner said. Hey man, let your hands go. Throw more combinations. Hey, right. hey, hey, man, move to the left. So he's one of those fighters that relies that relies heavily off of his corner. If his corner is not giving him the right shit, then Gary Russell pretty much is going to follow that and don't know what to do. And that's that's epically what's going to be Gary, Gary Russell's downfall when he fights a very smart IQ fighter because they're going to know how to make it on the fly the way he doesn't. I, I like what Showtime is doing, period, but what they're doing with boxing. Like, they're, they've always made boxing not their main priority, but they gave it the attention it deserves. But all this does now is the doubleheader is, okay, you'll watch Kell Brooks and Earl Spence, and you'll come back and you'll watch this. And what they're doing, in a sense, is they're making a, a, a tone where they're setting where, hey, we're going to put on fights, we're going to put on good commentary, they ain't going to be biased, they're going to educate you when you're talking about Paulie Malinali and Al Bernstein, is going to educate you on what you see, what you're looking at, that way to get you better to understand what boxing is and where we're going from here. And that's the reason why right now Showtime is kicking HBO's ass. 
Yeah. So I like what they're doing. I like the idea. You know, it, 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 it gives you a chance, like I said, to watch the main fight that everybody want to see, even though it's in a different time frame. But, just, hey, check it out. You can watch it. We'll replay it on one of our sister networks, and then you can come back later on tonight. You can watch Gary Russell. So it's a great idea. I just I, I agree with 2K in this aspect. If Gary Russell, if the game plan is working for Gary Russell and he hasn't learned to make an adjustment, which it, I, I, I don't want to say he don't know how. I just think like he just relies so much on his corner that he don't try to do it himself. He thinks they they didn't know all to be all. That yeah, we could possibly see a tie to change hands. Um, well, I'm, uh, you guys know I'm a huge Gary Russell Jr. fan, so I don't like the first, the first thing oh, that you putting out there about this possible title. The I don't like none of that shit at all. <laughs> I mean, I, I can only do that to the casuals. I mean, I, I got more respect for y'all than that. You a goddamn Nah, man. I, I'm just, you know what? I, I'm just, I'm just happy that Gary Russell's fighting, man. Activity's been yeah. one of the biggest issues with him. He's had his his uh, share of injuries with his hands and other elements that post fight. Uh, Meskin Dunn actually had the latest injury that postponed to this. It was believe it or not, it was supposed to happen bugging post, but I want to say ten months ago, really. So I mean, I'm just happy Gary Russell's back in the ring, man. And but it's definitely uh, one of those things where you know, even as a big fan of him, I question early into the sport. Like I think he's right. had, you know, one foot in, one foot out, and those are most dangerous guys. I mean, that that are fighting. Well, I won't say dangerous. It's dangerous for those kind of guys to be fighting when you're one foot in and one foot out. I mean, it's, it's better right. to be out of it, especially with a sport like boxing. If you're not fully focused, you could get hurt in there, man. So, um, I mean, I just want to see what he says. He has about three or four fights he really wants to take. So we'll see if this sets those up or not. That's kind of more what I'm looking at this fight for, just to see how he looks coming off the long layoff. Um, but, yeah, I just want to see if he has some kind of love or passion for it if it even looks like that, and Eskandon would definitely bring that out in you in a fight. You know, he's got a lot of dog in him as well, like Bo likes to say. He's a, he's a tough guy. So, you know, he'll definitely bring the fight to Gary. Gary definitely needs to be on his toes. Um, and But I like what I've seen from him since uh, pretty much the Gonzalez fight, or since uh, he lost to Lomachenko. He's sitting down on his punches now, which is something he didn't do earlier in his career where he threw a lot of those pity pat fast combinations. He's actually sitting down on punches now and getting motherfuckers out of there. So, I mean, we'll definitely see what's up. Uh, next, we got some big news, man. This is actually pretty pretty gigantic when you think about it. Um, and I'm going to let Bo speak on this one first with his biased ass. Um, <laughs> Luis Ortiz signed with uh, Al Heyman. And he is scheduled to fight on the undercard of Andre Berto. And Sean Porter on April 22nd against Derek Ross. Um, Great move. I know your Bo is in contact with a lot of the, the top guys out of Miami, you know, from the Cuban community. Um, is there any more details you might be able to give us as far as about the signing without Heyman? It caught a lot of us by surprise, considering he's been working with a uh, matchroom 
for his past couple bouts. Well, the thing with the matchroom thing was um, they was on the uh, Eddie Hearns had him on a fight by fight basis. So that was one thing. Another thing is that if they can't get Deontay Wilder, they was gonna they was definitely gonna invoke their right to fight the WBA mandatory winner. Uh, and one more thing is uh, coming from his manager. This, this is one thing that intrigued the manager was Al Heyman just had the fighters to keep Lewis Ortiz busy. Now, let me give my take on this. I said this when Eddie Hearns did it. I'm going to say it when Al Heyman do it. Yeah, the, the thing about this panel and us on this panel, if, if, if we see one motherfucker do the same thing other motherfucker do, we're going to call it. Al Heyman is just trying to buy time. To keep to, to keep the big fight between Deontay Wilder and Anthony Joshua going to see what happened with Joshua and Klitschko, okay? All he's doing is he's signing Lewis Ortiz, keep him on standby, have Joshua and and and, and Wilder fight. Then after that, then he'll look towards Lewis Ortiz or maybe even push Lewis Ortiz towards um, Joseph Parker, which I don't think I don't think um, uh, 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 Bob Arum is gonna let is gonna lose the heavyweight title there, <clears throat> but. It's a great position to be in for Lewis. One of the biggest things I heard, and that was coming when I was talking to my man, uh, Boxino Cubano, is just a great position for Luis Ortiz because he's ranked very high with the WBC. He has that WBA mandatory. So imagine if he wins. Let's say he fights, or he don't have to fight. Let's say Joshua wins and Joshua decides, hey, I got a mandatory with the IBF to fight Kubet uh, 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 Pula, and he fights Pula, and he loses the WBA. Now Al Heyman has two champions in his stable, and he can make a mega fight, title versus title, between Wilder and Lewis Ortiz. So they like the fact that they can, they can stay busy. They can fight guys like Amir Mansoor, Dominic Brazelli, stay busy, stay paid, okay, and, and maybe get a WBA shot or a WBC shot guaranteed to them somewhere down the line. But, again, I still feel – Al Heyman signed this motherfucker because he heard him talking, he heard him boxing, he heard him being some momentum. They know this motherfucker's a threat, so you sign him, you keep him busy, you keep him paid, and you keep him on the back burner to make your big fight. And if that don't happen, then you can make a big fight between these two cats right here. You, you know, it, like, if you can't get the, the Joseph, the Anthony Joshua, you make a big fight between Wilder and Lewis Ortiz because that's what everybody want to see anyway. So all around, it's a good move for Lewis Ortiz. In fact, you talking about staying busy, getting paid, and still be in line for maybe two possible title shots. So, you know. All right, GK, uh, your thoughts on the signing with the, the TBC brand and how it impacts Ortiz's career? Is this a good thing for him, or do you have a – Absolutely. <clears throat> Absolutely. It's a great thing. I think uh, he should have did this earlier, to be honest with you. If he's actually trying to, to – um, be somebody in the heavyweight division. He wants to make some noise. He doesn't want to get ignored for being the number one ranked fighter uh, in a given uh, sanctioned body. He doesn't want to be ignored um, uh, to where he should be the number one ranked fighter in a sanctioned body, but he's number two behind somebody who ain't done shit. Then he should have signed with Al Hammond earlier because he would have been able to get a lot of the different fights um, that other managers slash promoters won't be willing to put him into. Um, also, he'll be a lot more active. He has opportunities to be a lot more active anyway. Um, so I, I think it's a great move, and I agree with everything Bo said um, with them trying to 
uh, save uh, the, material, the, the materialization of the uh, Deontay Wilder-Anthony Joshua fight. Um, <laughs> I don't know, though, man. Um, I think there's a possibility that Luis Ortiz, if it, let me put this way, if anybody could put a wrench in any plans that you have for two top heavyweights to clash, Luis Ortiz will be that guy. And um, we'll see, man. We'll see what goes uh, uh, for him. You know, he's going to fight the guy that uh, Bermain Severn beat, the only guy that Bermain Severn has fought since losing to Deontay Wilder like two or three years ago. Um, But evidently, Derek Rossi can get you a number one ranked mandatory spot on the WBC ranking. So (laughs) we'll see if uh, Luis Ortiz... (laughs) <laughs> well, since Luis Ortiz, when he knocks out Derek Rossi, will be able to be number one ranked by WBC at this point in time. They did the same shit for Bermain Savar. I expect him to do it for Luis Ortiz. All right, so let's take uh, this in another direction. Uh, considering Ortiz's last few performances while he was uh, temporarily with a match room, um, he didn't necessarily get the highest praise for the performances or, you know, what happened in the fights. Um, what do you guys think of that as far as uh, this heading into this fight against Derek Rossi? Um, are we seeing any signs of slowing down in Ortiz based off of those two fights, or um, is he still the threat that a lot of us think he is at heavyweight? Well, I think well a lot of people think. Go ahead, bro, go ahead, bro. You got it, though. Yeah, nigga, respect your fucking elders. A nigga try to be cordial, and that's what you get. You gotta, you gotta fly no, out a nigga's no. face and shit and walk that motherfucking ass for being cordial. No, you, you know, know what? what I'm I've been people? saving that. I've been saving that for. I've been saving that for a long time. Remember when we were talking about uh, Kome, and I said, "Hey, let me speak for a second. He said, "No, shut up, nigga." I've been saving that for a long time. I've been saving that for a long time, my friend. Oh, oh but, uh, God damn. But uh, what I'm going to say is um, when, you, when you really uh, uh, think about it, the fights he had in match wasn't fights where he could look good. He fought Malik Scott. Malik Scott wasn't trying to fight. Then he fought David Allen, you know, a guy who who, who technically fought in every aspect that there was, so he couldn't look good against him. Rossi is a veteran. He's a he he, he probably he, well, he's a solid he's a solid veteran, but he's also a fighter who's who's going to be aggressive. He's going to come forward, so he's going to be there for Luis Ortiz to show you what's in his bag of tricks to look good. And that's the perfect yeah. kind of fight for him. That's that's why I say like if he fights guys like Dominique Brazilian or Miramar Sword. Those are dudes where, because of their flaws and fighting abilities, he can look good against them. That's why, you know, that's why I think at the end of the day, they looked at it and was like, man, we're not getting fights to make us look good. Because the two fights he had on the matchbox, everybody was like, man, this dude is, you know, is old. Or, you know, well, uh, <laughs> I'm not going to touch on that. But, uh, <laughs> Y'all, y'all not gonna get me on this. Y'all not gonna get me on this with that. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, it was, you know, it was people just, you know, they, they, they was questioning his his skill level and ability. But the fight, the guys he was in there against were not, you know, fight fights where you can look good against them. So at least 
in the in aspect of like I said, Brazelli, Mansoor, um, who else they got? Uh, uh, Big Baby Miller, and even this dude he fighting. The way they fight, their style, he can he can show you what's in his bag of tricks and look good against them. So right. that's something I think people have to look at also. Yeah, I agree. I agree one hundred percent with Bo. <clears throat> um, you, you can't really base two fights against guys that weren't really trying to be um, too active in there. Uh, you can't base whether or not he's slowing down um, off those two fights. But the thing is, it shouldn't fucking matter anyway. This is a guy that's actually trying to fight people. So put him in a ring with somebody then. Then we can make that assessment. If he goes in there and fights, you know, Jarrell Miller and gets knocked the fuck out, then, hey, well, shit, maybe he was slowing down. You know what I'm saying? If he beats him, well, then we got our answer. He wasn't slowing down. You see what I'm saying? So if it was a guy that was actually not trying to make fights and we were trying to make an assessment on whether or not he's slowing down, but we couldn't do it because he's not trying to fight high-level contenders, then, yeah, this will be something that we should explore. Um, but, um, Derek, I, I disagree with one thing Bo said. Like I said, Derek Rossi is a, is a tough veteran. The nigga is three and seven in his last ten fights. You know what I'm saying? The nigga ain't too tough. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And he ain't fighting nobody in those three wins. He did beat a dude that was sixteen and zero, but the heavyweights. There's a lot of heavyweights out there that are undefeated. You know what I'm saying? That are extremely garbage. And when they step up one minute level, they get knocked the fuck out or they get beaten badly. And we just seen that with uh, uh man, I uh, God, uh, I'm gonna fuck his name up. Ice Uzagano, the guy that just got knocked out by Dominic Brazil. You know what I'm saying? We just oh, seen that one him. Yeah. So, so I mean, it's, it's him beating that guy don't really mean shit. But when he's actually fought straight, you know, contenders, the actual guys that that are somebody in the division, he got thoroughly outclassed. So I expect him to get thoroughly outclassed in this fight. And and you know, like I said, it'll put Luis Ortiz somewhere where possibly, man, we could get him in the ring with some of these Jarrell Millers. You know, Andrew Ruiz's, Ruiz, uh, you know, Mike Pettis's, Bryant, or he already beat Bryant Jennings. It's somebody, you know what I'm saying? Somebody else. So we'll see. All right, let you guys know he's already uh, the next in line to fight the winner of uh, Joshua Klitschko. Or he yeah. played out uh, the Deontay Wilder situation, and it looks like he'll be actually getting a rematch with Stavern from what uh, a lot of in-source sites. Inside sources have been saying. So, mm. I mean, he'd have to wait on a while to fight, but it looks like the WBA would be an immediate thing for him. So, we'll see if he pulls that trigger. Uh, I don't know. You never know what, what, what's going on with these damn Cubans, man. I mean, that's fucked up. situation, man, to see what happens. But I'm actually uh, happy about the signing. He actually should have did this before doing the bullshit with Golden Boy. I had no idea why he ever signed with Golden Boy in the first place, probably because of the Latin appeal. But, I mean, this is actually something he should have did originally. So, like 2 k I agree with him on that. Um, let's go to our next topic, which is one uh, that kind of caught me by surprise. I wasn't expecting this. 
uh, Mikhail Kessler coming out of retirement to to join the 168 ranks uh, and try and capture super middleweight crowns. Uh, he thinks he needs to think he can beat James DeGale even at, you know, what, he's 36 or 38. Let me see. I think he's 38. Uh, yeah, he's 38 years old now. He thinks he could uh, beat a guy like a James DeGale at this stage after being out of the ring three, four years. Um, I'll go ahead and let TJ take this one first. Uh, what's your thoughts about him coming out of retirement, man? Yeah, you know, this is a, this is actually, I want to commend you on this actual topic, man, because this is something that I didn't even know about. Not too much shit actually passes me by in boxing. So uh, when I read this on the topic, I was like, God damn, really? How about you come to that? You know, if he, <laughs> to, to, to basically respond to what he said, if he comes back as, the Mikhail Kessler that went out, I think he has a good chance against um, James DeGale. Now, I don't want to be a guy to say, oh, you're too old to do something. Hell, I still do shit at my age that niggas would say, man, you was too old if I just told you. And then you see me be like, damn, nigga, you really that old? Do you still do that? So I can't say that he can't do what he wants to do at age 38. But I will say this. There is a high possibility that, again, as I stated earlier about Terrence Crawford and his IQ, if you are not actively in the sport when you're not fighting or you're not, you know, you're, you're, you're semi-retired, so to speak, if you're not actively in the sport, then you're going to have a, a, a hard time adjusting when you just come back into the sport from a long layoff. Uh, again, Mikel Kessler is another guy, just as I stated about Gary Russell earlier, he's not a very smart guy. Um, he, he, he's, he's okay in the IQ department, but he's not the upper echelon type of guys where I say they should be away from the ring and come back and still win titles, you know what I'm saying, within two or three fights. Uh, Mikel Kessler can't do that. So if he's active, though, if he's in this retirement, I can't remember. How, how long has he been retired, Quan? Uh, about four years. Yeah. Right, and that's, what I, that's exactly the time I was thinking, too. I just didn't want to get it wrong. So within four years, if he's just been sitting on the couch eating potato chips and shit, and shout out to my man Kelly Tablet, he admitted that's what the fuck he be doing now. He said he got a gut, nigga weighs over 230 pounds. When we interviewed him on my channel, that's what he told us. So if he's not doing the Kelly Tablet, if he's actually in the ring, you know, training and shit these entire four years, you know, he had already contemplated to come back. He just needs to take some time off to deal with his, you know, I guess some inner demons or whatever he was dealing with, whatever, whatever it was but he was still active in the process, then he has, he has opportunity. I give him opportunity in two fights. Um, if not, no, he would get his ass drugs by James Miguel. And I know, Twine, you're not big on James Miguel. You're more big on assistance than you are his boxing ability. <laughs> but I think, I think an old-ass Mikel Kessler who's just trying to walk his ass back into the ring, you know, after four years, even after he gets, like, two or three fights in, he would still get drugged by James DeGale. So him still training right now is very key. I'm, I'm actually going to go in and do some research on the story and see if I can actually talk with him to see if he's actually been training these four years because that shit is key to me. And Kessler was actually a pretty big guy at 168 before. So four years away, yeah, he was. having to get back down to 168, that's at 38 years of age. Uh, yep. yeah, that's that's going to be pretty interesting to see how that pans out for. Um, yep. Bo, you got anything you want to add on? Uh, the 
fact that as soon as he announced he wanted to come back, for some odd reason, Kyle Fox started getting it a little bit more to come back also. Remember? I don't know if you yeah, saw that Kyle Fox made a statement. Oh, man, Kyle's coming back. Trilogy. But he hasn't came out officially yet. He just said he has interest after seeing Kessler do it. Right. But to 2K's point, and I'm going to make this extremely short because he, he hit a lot of points, so talking of alpha male ass nigga. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> to 2K's <laughs> point, He's absolutely right. Uh, his training is what's going to be very important because here's the, the reality is you can still work out at 36, and we tell people all the time, this is why we say you don't play boxing. You can walk down the street with a basketball, pick up five motherfuckers, go to a court. You can walk down the block with a football, pick up 12 motherfuckers, go to the field. You ain't going to walk down the block with no boxing glove and find another motherfucker who don't go to the gym like you and fucking go to the gym to fight you. Reason being right. is because there's a difference between you working out and staying in shape and training camp. So right. it's going to be important. How does his body respond to training camp? That's what's going to be important at 36. He might have been working out, staying in shape and all that, but an actual training camp is what we're going to see. How is his body going to respond to actual training camp? That's what's important, and that's the part I, I agree wholeheartedly with 2K on. That's something we all have to take into consideration. Mm-hmm. And I'm definitely interested in seeing, uh, I mean, his first couple of fights. I don't think we will see him at a title contention. Uh, I mean, I don't think it will happen. But, I mean, we, we've seen other guys do it held at uh, older states, you know, B-Hop being one um, in recent years. So you can't put it past anybody. But, you know, B-Hop yeah. was a guy that stayed in the gym religiously and, like, you guys mentioned if he's been sitting around and not training, you know, it's definitely going to be a hard, more hard, uh, arduous task for him to get back in there, especially on a championship caliber. Um, I would like to see a trilogy between him and Kessler, though. I mean, uh, him and Carl Frock. Um, that would be interesting to see, you know, if they if he decided to come out for a fight like that because, you know, they were one and one. So to yeah. have them split that trilogy, I'd be interested in something like that, even if he didn't get back to championship caliber level. So we'll be paying attention. Bernard saying I'm mute him, man. Well, I was going to say, I was going to say, yeah, I was going to say he wanted to get on, but don't unmute it. Don't unmute it. Leave that nigga on mute. goddamn topics. This nigga out his goddamn Who the fuck he think he is, nigga? Man. <laughs> Leave that motherfucker on mute. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, one goddamn topic while you bullshitting. Oh, make no um, damn sense, man. <laughs> wow. Wow. The casual. Definitely something the casual would do. Um, yeah, man. Let me go into this, this topic. We got, uh, looks like Yuri Yoki's Gamboa's. Making good on his promise to stay active and signing with Golden Boy. Um, it's looking like he'll be fighting Jason Velez. Uh, single to Maya weekend. Um, it's in play for the same weekend as uh, the Canelo um, Chavez card. Um, let me get you guys' thoughts on this fight as far as uh, it's actually a, Jason Velez actually wasn't one of the best guys at 130, but I mean, he held a title. Um, he's a quality opponent. 
you know, it's definitely uh, probably the biggest name Crawford has fought since, I mean, uh, Gamboa's fought since Terrence Crawford. So, I mean, take it for what it is, man. But let me get you guys' thoughts on this fight. Um, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, the, the, yeah, Cubano, Cubano Loco. Yeah. Well, first, man, did you, did you unmute my partner? The hell no. <laughs> what are you going to say about one goddamn topic? <laughs> man, un, uh, man, unmute my partner, man. I can't, I can't talk about <laughs> one goddamn like... topic. Are you serious? <laughs> yeah, I need it, man. Let that man get his say, man. Oh, wow. <laughs> fucked up. That's man. fucked up. What's good with you, nigga? Oh, nigga come I know first what the fuck you were doing. I know what he was doing already. I know what the hell this nigga was doing. I'm not going to say anything. I want to speak on the Tesla and Friday first. I wanted to say, uh... Say what you got to say, Kevin. Say, um, <laughs> this is what I wanted to say, uh, 2K the turd. Look. <laughs> Look. Uh, Miguel Pesla doesn't know whether he's going to 168 or 175. And second off, he has been consistently training for the past three to four, four years that he's been off. So he has you know, you know, know, you know. I read the article on boxing.com. I read the article. I ain't even looked at boxing scene. I ain't looked at the boxing scene shit. I wanna see I wanna see some footage and I wanna hear some goddamn testimonies that this nigga's been in the ring for four years. Fuck an article. Anybody can write that. What do you know the testimony at so now that we got him to chime on that, let's get his little IBO shout out of WrestleMania shout out for the night. No, I'm not even doing that. Now, as for Gamble, I'm glad. Let's speak on Yuri Gamble. I'm glad he's going to be on the undercard of Canelo and Chavez Jr. That's a good look. That's more exposure for him. And as long as he he keeps getting the W's and keeps consistent, hopefully he gets a, a title shot. That's all I'm gonna say. I'm not saying an IBO title shot. Nigga, right? Go ahead. Shout out to my fans. <laughs> oh, this motherfucker. Yeah, Malachi. <laughs> Gym and in his fight in the ring. <laughs> 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 
Um, and that's what actually gets him knocked down and fights and shit because he may be relying too much on his athleticism, and his opponent will deliver a well-placed point, catch him off, uh, well-placed punch, and catch him off balance. But we've we've also seen that against Gedimo uh, Rigandau as well. So, um, like I said, as, well, as we had to see, we did see ring rust against Renee Alvarado. I still think he's high level. I think he walked right through Jason Velez. Um, I don't see him becoming a gatekeeper for anybody at Golden Boy because Golden Boy really ain't got nobody. Ain't got nobody you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. They, they ain't got he nobody. going to put JoJo in there with him. I know that for damn sure. That's exactly what I was going to say. That's the only person that he could actually put him in there with for us to say, well, you know, it could be a tune-up, but it really wouldn't be a tune-up because Yuri Arcus is still high level. And JoJo's at 126 any fucking way. Yeah, Boa's fighting at 130, so JoJo would have to move up. So, yeah, that's, there's really nobody in his stable that we could say, well, he'd be a gatekeeper for them. So I think, actually, he's probably their highest, one of their highest-level fighters. I mean, you got Canelo, you got Roman, Mar- Roman Gonzalez, and then you got a motherfucker that's been inactive for, like, you know, three years and shit, Yuri Gamboa right behind there. So that's pretty much Oscar stable. So with that said, I think um, – I think what they're trying to do is they're trying to build a fight uh, to possibly get Gamboa in there with Cecil Lomachenko if he's willing to do the uh, business dealings with top rank. That's what I really believe that, that they're trying to make happen. But I don't know, man. It, I really believe Gamboa's got a – there's a lot that they could do with him if they could just keep his fucking ass active. There's a lot that they could do with him, man. Definitely agreed. Uh Man, uh, I, I like this just as a good stay busy fight, and it would actually be for a minor version of the WC belt titles, one of the regional belts, um, that somehow Velez happened to get a shot for after losing three fights in a row, even to a Sitsuno fighter. I don't fucking know what the hell's going on with boxing rankings anymore. No, I'm not going to try and figure it out. Um, uh right. Yeah, so we'll just see how it pans out, man. Uh, I definitely think Yuriokas still has a lot left in him. It's just a matter of him staying active. And I think he has a good enough machine behind him now and Golden Boy to where he could actually do that. Um, <clears throat> I mean, this is his most stable situation since he was on, on top rank. So I definitely look forward to seeing him climb that ladder, even though he's, what, 34 now, Bo? 43. I'm not, I'm, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing Shit, that. Probably, oh, yeah, you probably is. So you know them guys. He's documented. Records. You know that. He's documented. <laughs> yeah, he's documented at 35, but the nigga probably 48. Uh, yeah, I think 48. You know that. Y'all motherfuckers trying to get my pass revoked, I see. That's, that's the shit you niggas on. <laughs> you niggas trying to get my pass revoked. That's what the fuck you niggas on. That's going to lead us to our you owe you know segment of the night before we uh, wrap it up. Um, on this day in 2005, the great Louis Colazzo. <laughs> Oh, 
Big up to Louis, though. Uh, he comes off a big win against Sammy Vasquez, but he had probably his biggest win in 2005 when he won the WBA welterweight title against Jose Antonio Rivera. So, big up, Louis. Uh, yeah. Uh, we want to handle the final blow this week, man. I put Bo up there just because he always can win something. Um, I didn't really have nothing I wanted to talk about specifically uh, this week in Boston. It's been kind of a lackluster week. Um, only thing you can put together for the final blow. Oh, hell yeah. What a difference a year makes. And what I mean by that is there's a certain thing that's going on throughout mainstream media, which their refusal to accept certain things, they refuse to own up to certain things, but the beautiful thing about boxing is you don't have to because boxing is going to hand you that L whether you want it or not. And what I'm referring to is another topic that whenever it comes to numbers, it's always a thing when it's PBC. Whenever it comes to outcomes and, and, and ticket sales and audience, it's always a thing when it's PBC. But oh, what a tangle where we leave when, it, when, when you have to flip that over. And you got to look at Golden Boy give you a fight on ESPN2 that only generates 249K motherfuckers that watched it. So you went from motherfuckers, million mother, a million motherfuckers watching it to 249. And before anybody say to me, well, they putting on their prospects, it's the same shit PBC was doing. When y'all shitted on it, talking about some. Oh, they're going to ruin boxing on ESPN. Well, if you think they're ruining boxing on ESPN from PBC, the fuck do you think 249K going to do on ESPN? Okay? And, <laughs> and here's, another, here's another little snippet that I want to throw out there. 2017 has already shown us that no matter how hard you try, no matter how hard you want to, no matter how hard you close your eyes and pray and pretend, you can't take away from the fact that the motherfuckers who you talk shit about, the motherfuckers who you don't like, have been laying down the pathway to show you why they are who they are. And what I'm referring to is, again, we're talking numbers. And I think the did 173. All right? That's 173. That's still short of 200. Whether you like Carnelo Alvarez or you don't like Carnelo Alvarez, he's been able to do more because of the position that he's been put in to be more successful. So for all of you all who are behind Gennady Golovkin and all up his ass and all of that shit, well, how come y'all ain't buying his fucking pay-per-views? If you're going to appeal to the casuals, be successful at appealing to the fucking casuals. If you're going to appeal to that market, be successful at appealing to that market. If you're going to say something is shit and we don't like it, we'll put something in this place that's going to do better. Don't put shit in the place that's going to do worse. Don't, put, don't go after a market that you think is there. Why? Because they, don't, you know, they, they talk a lot and they fanboy a lot on the fucking Internet, which does not generate dollars when it comes to pay-per-view, as we're seeing now. So what you want, you Dan Raphael's, your Steve Kims, your motherfucker that always want to take these shots, you have to get you have to actually stop sending the troops out and get your ass on the ground, do your work, or listen to shows like this where shows like this, Guard Your Grill Boxing, God the Boxing Talk, uh 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 seventy eight sports, blood box listen to us because we're telling you 
shit that's going to happen, and it's been going the way we thought it's been going to happen. Oscar De La Hoya desperately needed something to show all his 155 fighters that we don't know about because we're too busy paying Canelo Alvarez. He had to go ESPN 2, not the main one, but the second one. And that only happened. Why? Because uh, Al, uh, uh, Al Heyman threw a lawsuit, and I'm going to put that in there. See, see, we don't believe in giving you half facts to the argument. Through a lawsuit, Al Heyman had to give up exclusive rights. And as soon as he did that, Golden Boy ran ass over there like a nigga chasing the ex-girlfriend of his best friend <laughs> and signed up Damn. <laughs> with the ESPN to put their fights on. And what did you get? In life, what do they say? You always pose an upgrade yourself. If you leave a motherfucker pulling you down, then you, you go to a motherfucker that's going to bring you up. When a woman leave a man because he ain't shit, she don't. She try not to go to another not shit man, the same thing with a man. Well, they ran the ESPN. ESPN, listen to Dan Raphael and all them other negative writers who don't, who don't do the research, who hope and pray, signed Oscar up. And no first fight did 250K. It did so bad, they didn't even write an article about the shit. Okay? It did so bad, I didn't see nobody. I can, I can tell you about the fight. People on this panel, we can tell you about the fight. We watch them. Just like the Roscoe fight. We can tell you about that fight. We watched it. I saw nothing on all you so-called casual fan market, YouTube, motherfucking uh, uh, 2015 goddamn Wikipedia-searching-ass motherfuckers say shit about none of them golden boy cards. So you're not boxing fans, okay? You don't, you're not for the sport. You're for one fighter, and that's the motherfucker that you know. You're for one promoter. That's the motherfucker you know. But boxing is a global sport, and the reason why it's doing better in the U.K., Japan, and every fucking way else is because they know how to market their people, their promoters, regardless of stature, status, or whatever. They do a better job at it. Get with the program, motherfuckers. Well, guess what? Continuously take this motherfucking L, and it's a capital L, up your ass, out your breath. <laughs> With no hey, that's, that, that's, that's that old man curse. Right, when they get that, no this nigga said, nigga said, up your While ass, While I read the newspaper. Out <laughs> After my morning cup of coffee. <laughs> Translation, you know, Bobby speaking that, that Spanish shit all the time. It loses me in yeah. translation. So, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, can, can one of y'all verify this for me or not? Um, is it true that Doug Fisher and Steve Kim have a pre fight show on ESPN now when they do their Golden Boy cards? Um, I'm not sure if that's true or not. I, I thought I saw something about that in uh, one of the groups. I haven't heard nothing about it, man, to be honest with you. Okay, cool. Um, I'm hoping that's not true because ESPN has no idea that they have really sold themselves to the devil if they got them motherfuckers doing anything on ESPN. Doug Fisher and fucking Steve Kim. Yes. Both Ring Magazine representatives. Um, the bias shit. But uh, with that said, man, I guess that's going to conclude our show for this week. Signing out for my cohorts on this panel. Uh, Shit, for being cool who can be here tonight, 
We gonna hold you down. You know what I'm saying? Ho, we got you on next week. Uh, we got Bo and Bernard from the Truth and Facts About Boxing Talk. And we got 2K the God from the Guys of Boxing Talk. Till next week, for the movement, hold it down. Peace. Talk of Donna Stevenson. <laughs> I knew I should have kept your ass motherfucking muted. See, that's why I should have muted your ass. Let me see. But I ain't listening to Bo no more. I ain't listening to Bo no more. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.